0: This is the Bob Long Sports Podcast.
1: Google me. That's why I don't read the newspaper. page. You can put it on the board. There's a the lot of guys. I say he in the league. The Giants of the public. The Giants of the public. The Giants of the public. The Giants of the, the, the public. Is this the Giants?
2: You cannot be serious.
0: Good evening. Welcome to the BLS Radio Show. We are here. Bob Long, Kevin McLernan will be on in just one second as we preview the NCAA Tournament. As we get ready for just a wonderful, wonderful experience. It's one of the best times of the year and this year a little bit different because what we have is a bunch of teams i mean you have teams in the ones the one line with with six losses and uh that's not necessarily or or anywhere near what you would expect and what we've seen in prior years so already just taking a look at the bracket as a whole there is a lot more open uh, than you would expect In other years. Right now we will bring on Kevin McClernand. Kevin McClernand is out of Colorado. He's a correspondent here on Bob Long Sports and he does the Pick and Roll podcast with Bill Golden. Kevin, welcome this evening. Happy NCAA tournament time. How are you?
3: I'm doing great. I saw the bracket last night come out and I'm really looking forward to the games coming this week.
0: So what we'll do on this show here, Kevin, because I understand that you're going to be here um, for about half an hour and we appreciate the time you're giving us. We'll go through the East region. I know that has, uh, I guess, a lot of interest to you. And this is one of the regions that you find to be or probably the region that you find to be the most interesting, the most dynamic, and possibly the region that can produce the most amount of winners and those that would advance to the Final Four. So uh, let's start with the one seed, North Carolina, they come in at 28-6, and six, and it was a team that kind of hung around the, the high single digits, low double digits for most of the season. They crept up into the two mark, especially early on, but did lose some games throughout the regular season. A very tough ACC, but they find themselves now with about as much momentum as anybody winning the ACC tournament, beating Virginia just a couple of weeks after Virginia was able to beat them in a big-time regular season matchup. How do you feel that this team struts into the tournament right now?
3: I mean, a lot of momentum. Uh, They finally got a couple road wins at the end of the year, and winning the ACC tournament, obviously, is huge also. Um, But, I mean, if you're going to beat this team, you have to box out. I mean, Bryce Johnson is a monster on the offensive uh, board, so uh, I think that's the key to beating that team.
0: Now, there's a second-round matchup that could face, North Carolina will face, as long as they can beat the winner of Florida Gulf Coast and Fairleigh Dickinson. But USC and Providence. Let's start with the Friars out of Providence. It was a team that was ranked in the top 15 for a decent portion of the Big East regular season. And it's a team led by the big two of Chris Dunn and Ben Bentil. Bentil, a guy inside whose stock has risen rapidly this year. And he is tough. He rebounds offensively. He's a great finisher at the hoop. And he's as physical as it comes from an offensive or defensive perspective. Now the difference between Ben Bentil and what North Carolina puts on the front court is they have about three of them. And maybe none with really that um, ability to be a top guy maybe at the NBA level. I know that's something you will dissect as you get into the NBA draft discussion. But does Providence... Or is there something about Southern Cal that I'm not asking about, but is there something about Providence and what Bentil can bring, as well as the outside presence of Chris Dunn to accompany a Bullock as a third-type guy for Providence? Do they have any chance against a team like North Carolina?
3: Yeah, you mentioned they were in the top 15 earlier in the year, and I think when they fell off, uh, Bentil, I think it was like an ankle injury uh, during the middle of the season. So once he got healthy, they started playing uh, like the team that they are, and I mean, I I don't want to say I could easily see them uh, making the Sweet 16, but with that talent of those top two guys, uh, if they get hot, they could compete with anybody in the country.
0: It's part of the reason they're talking about this East region as one where North Carolina maybe didn't get the best draw that they could have. And, and clearly being a one seed is a reward in and of itself, but take a look at that matchup versus some of the other matchups. I mean, Butler is a team in a nine seed that's going to face – Conference rival of North Carolina, Virginia, as long as they can beat Texas Tech, which is far from a certainty. But let's say comparing nine seeds, you tell me which one is stronger, and I would tell you that Providence, they could have been something like a six seed or a seven seed with a different committee if they were valuing different things because Providence had big wins over great teams. They brought a lot to the table. And like you said, there were injury concerns on an already, I guess, not-so-deep uh, not so team. Uh, so if if they considered things differently, this could have been a 6 or 7 seed, and uh, I guess my Butler comparison from the same conference is the best example I can give. They're both a 9 seed, and yet Providence is a far superior and have proven themselves to be so a far superior team.
3: Yeah, I mean, I don't think that this USC versus Providence is extremely... I mean, I think it is the best 8-9 matchup, but uh, I mean, that St. Joe's and Cincinnati 8-9 is also two good teams playing. Uh, I think Virginia was the team that got lucky with that second-round draw with Texas Tech and Butler.
0: number to call in here to the Bob Long Sports Radio Show is 215-622-7239. We can get another caller on the line with me, Bob Long, and my co-host, Kevin McLernan. So do not be shy just hearing another voice on the end of the phone. Please feel free to dial in, 215-622-7239. Let's move through the rest of the East region. One of the most interesting matchups is what people are expecting in the second round of the next one. Indiana and Kentucky, they haven't played in the regular season since Watford for the win. and This matchup could be something special, but there are two very scrappy teams in their way. That's Chattanooga and then the Seawolves of Stony Brook.
3: Yeah, I mean, everybody's looking forward to that 4-5 matchup, and I mean, Stony Brook uh, they've been pretty solid all year. Um, they were number one seed in the tournament, and they one of the few, it seemed like every number one seed uh, in the small schools were, were getting knocked off, but Stony Brook was able to hold on. I, I expect Indiana and Kentucky to make it uh, out of the first round, but definitely not going to be easy.
0: Listen, I'm going to pull Lee Corsos here and say not so fast, Kevin. The Wolves of Stony Brook are one of my upset picks in this year's tournament. They have three seniors that are their top scorers. They're very experienced. They had a very solid year, and their second half has been nearly unblemished. They're a team that if they won their tournament, you knew could be tough. Clearly, the athleticism of Kentucky will be tough, and they're starting to play some pretty good basketball. But all you need is a little bit of a lead from Stony Brook. The players tighten up at Kentucky a little bit. And honestly, I'm very bearish on the SEC. We'll find out when we get to the other side of the bracket why I also feel that way. But I think Stony Brook is one of the key upsets of the first round. They take down Kentucky and give Indiana a fairly clean road to North Carolina in the Sweet 16.
3: Yeah, I mean, definitely not unheard of. I mean, I could see that upset. It's a lot of people with Kentucky's momentum, um, I mean, played really well in the SEC tournament, Euless and Murray. Uh, especially those two have been really coming on as of late and a lot of the a lot of people have kentucky going pretty far in the tournament
0: let's move down through the bracket then so we'll get to indiana and kentucky if that's who you're picking for those first two games in just a minute but notre dame to play the winner of michigan and tulsa Now tulsa team that i don't really think had a great uh, argument to get into the tournament in fact one of their key players took to Twitter and answered a fan, said, heck no, we're not going to get to the tournament. We just got blown out by Memphis. Did you watch the game? And yet, here come the Golden Hurricane in the tournament and facing off in Dayton against Michigan. First, what do you see? Any shot for the Golden Hurricane there against the Wolverines? And uh, and if not, how do you feel about a Titanic football matchup turned basketball matchup, Notre Dame and Michigan?
3: I'm actually going to have Tulsa... Beat Michigan and then also beat Notre Dame. Wow! Um, yeah, I mean Tulsa—they're uh, going to come out with something to prove. Uh, just like all all the teams that it seems like the last team in, which I'm going to assume Tulsa was, uh, the very last team to get in, uh, always feels like they need to prove something, and uh, I think Tulsa is going to do that.
0: Frank Haith always gets the best out of his players and his boosters, and this time he got the best yeah. out of the selection committee as well. So. Tulsa takes advantage. How about that? I'm I'm very interested uh, to see how that goes. I actually have that same game. The 11 seed producing the winner of those first two, and I think Michigan playing very well right now takes down Notre Dame team that that had great success in the NCAA tournament last year, where baseline contested three away from beating Kentucky, and uh, I just think it's unfortunate the matchup that they get in Michigan because I think the Wolverines are playing some very good basketball right now. Now the uh, the next game that we'll we'll talk about, uh, unless you have something to say about Stephen F. Austin against West Virginia, but we'll move down to Wisconsin and Pittsburgh. Stop me if you need to, but the Wisconsin Badgers right now twenty and twelve, coached by Greg Gard, and they've done a great job under guard since the departure of Bo Ryan. Pitt, on the other hand, they were Wisconsin before Bo Ryan left, a team with a steady coach that's been there forever. Gets good teams year after year after year. Unfortunately, missed the tournament last year, but they're back here. Likely a win against Syracuse in, in the ACC tournament was what propelled them to this point. 21-11. and 11. How do you feel that this matchup shakes up the winner to play Xavier, unless Weber State can pull the upset there against the two-seed?
3: Uh, a, a rough start this year for Wisconsin. was um, really surprised I got a seven after that start. Uh, re- really played well at, in conference play. Um, I like Pittsburgh in this game, though. Um, Wisconsin has a lot of experience, um, but when they're missing uh, their outside shots, they're just not the same team and just a little too inconsistent for me.
0: Come certainly going to come down to guys like Nigel Hayes on the Wisconsin side, Michael Young on the Pittsburgh side, and can Young and company hit the mid-range shot? And and what they've done against teams like Syracuse, they own Syracuse, is their ability to get that ball to the middle of the zone and hit the mid-range shot That clearly opens up the passing lanes because the defense has to crash to the shooters. Uh, If Pitt can control the middle of the floor against Wisconsin, I think they're going to have a shot, but I think a bit too much Badgers in the end, and they move on to play Xavier. Kev, we'll roll right into that game. I think Xavier is able to beat Wisconsin in this game. Wisconsin likes to slow it down, and I do think playing good basketball uh, gives them the opportunity here, without a doubt, against a Xavier team that is very, very good, may not wow you, but I think is really a team that has the goods to make a pretty decent run in this tournament. I have Xavier beating Wisconsin, West Virginia beating Michigan, and then that lines up a two versus three. Uh, I guess an old school versus new school Big East, but neither was in the Big East at the same time. Will be an interesting matchup there for sure, though. Xavier's floor spacing, the ability to shoot the long ball, and then the inside presence of far... And Jalen Reynolds against West Virginia's frenzied pace, try to turn you over defensively. blew uh, Blewett and the great ball handlers for Xavier can they muster up? Can they stay as solid as they have been against a great defense? That'll be the matchup in that game.
3: Yeah, I have that same matchup uh, in the Elite Eight, or sorry, in this Sweet Sixteen. Uh, with uh, and I think West Virginia does. I mean that defense is just. Uh, going to cause a lot of trouble in this tournament, and people are going to realize how good they are. And I, I have them going to the lead eight.
0: Okay, I have Xavier in a very tight one, but I believe that that has the possibility to be one of the best games of the entire tournament, bar none, bar round, bar, bar arena, you name it. I, I think that has a chance to be a special basketball game. We'll move back to the top of the East then, Kevin. Indiana against Kentucky, I don't think you were – as bullish, quite as bullish on the Sea Wolves of Stony Brook. I think you picked Kentucky and Indiana. Correct me if I'm wrong, but what happens from there?
3: I have Kentucky uh, beating Indiana. Uh, I think Uless, uh versus Farrell is going to be a very good matchup to watch and uh, very fun to watch. Uh, but I think Kentucky is just a little more talented. Uh, Murray uh, is going to be a difference maker in that game.
0: That leads you to North Carolina versus Kentucky. Two of the blue-blood, blue-chip programs in college basketball.
3: Yep, uh, and I, I think uh, Bryce Johnson's going to be the big difference in this game. I don't think Marcus Lee or anybody Kentucky has can uh, match up with him. So I have UNC moving on.
0: Your final four participant qualifier out of the East region.
3: West Virginia.
0: Wow, take me home. Country road. You kidding me? West Virginia to the final four. Maybe that's not as crazy as I think, but that just uh, that takes me by surprise. What's the difference against North Carolina?
3: I think that defense is going to cause trouble. Marcus Page has had trouble uh, with his outside jumper all year. Um, really, a lot of free throw trouble too, um, which uh, which I think is going to hurt them uh, late in the game against this West Virginia team, missing free throws for UNC.
0: Okay, well I, I go relatively chalk to get to the elite eight matchup, North Carolina against Xavier. And I do think that the offensive rebounding is just going to be too much, even though Xavier can hit the glass in a big way as well. Jalen Reynolds, I think, can be neutralized by a very good defensive big man. We've seen that a couple times this year. And I do think that it's going to be North Carolina representing the East region in the Final Four. Kevin, we'll move down to the Midwest as we uh, we tick across your halfway point here at 8:16 in the evening, and remind our listeners that the number to call in is 215-622-7239. Again, 215-622-7239. Your number to call in, and you can join Kevin and me on the air all at once, Virginia. They're a team that comes in off a loss against North Carolina, but I think important to remember that they also defeated those same Tar Heels just a few weeks back in the last few weeks of the regular season. A very solid team, a very efficient team. We'll get into that soon, but not necessarily the highest scoring team that you would ever imagine. They found themselves at a point in the last two NCAA tournaments where they're facing off against a familiar foe. That team is Michigan State, and what do you know? The Spartans, right at the bottom of the Midwest region, the two-seed, many people believe that that should be a one-seed, the Michigan State Spartans, and that possibly with the loss, Virginia should replace them as the two. But it's a region, Kevin, that breeds a ton of intrigue, I think, and that potential matchup in the Elite Eight could be special, as it has been in the past couple years.
3: Yeah, and it seems like uh, the committee really likes putting these teams together, UVA, Michigan State. Same thing with uh, Arizona, Wisconsin. They did that last year, put That's those right. two together to face off in the late eight. Um, I don't see a lot of trouble for those two teams, um, and I'm going to guess that they're, they're probably going to meet up again.
0: Texas Tech against Butler. It's an 8-9 matchup, and it's probably one that someone listening right now is looking at their bracket and saying, gosh, I don't know the first thing about Texas Tech. But... They play a completely, I would say, a different style than what Butler plays. Now, both of them try to run an efficient half-court offense. I think both of them, to some extent, pride themselves on defense. But this Tubby Smith team has won games by playing ugly. u g l y, ugly. Because what they have to go up against is great scoring teams in the Big 12. Iowa State, Oklahoma, you name it. Kansas can score the ball pretty well also. uh, They're the best team in the country. But they still plotted their way to a 500 record in statistically the toughest conference in the country. And now they find themselves up against a team that can really shoot the basketball, Kellen Donham from the outside, Uh, and then you move more inside. you got the Bulldog in Roosevelt Jones and Austin Shravich, who can either play with his back to the basket or hit a jump shot from the outside here and there. How do you feel that this matchup, uh, I guess, eludes itself, and how you feel that this one will end up?
3: Texas Tech. I mean, I think they they started off really well this year, had some trouble when it came to conference play uh, in the beginning, but then they reeled off a couple good wins, like you said. I believe they beat Oklahoma. Um, So, I mean, it's going to be a good game, but I expect Butler, with all their experience, uh, to win.
0: Here's the interesting thing about Texas Tech. It's why I love them and I'm scared to pick them at the same time. And I do believe that either of those teams are going to have a heck of a time with Virginia, so I don't have either getting past this round. But their leading scorer, Kevin, has 11.1 points a game on average. 11.1. Now, I haven't gone through all 300 teams and their leading scores, unfortunately, but throughout the NCAA, that has to be one of the lowest margins. I can't imagine that there are many teams that have that type of balance from a scoring perspective. And, uh, part of that is really enticing and, and something that makes you think this team could be successful. The other thought is, and this is something that we've seen from from top seeds that haven't been able to advance, maybe Virginia you could even consider to be one of these type of seeds. If you don't have a go-to guy, then maybe in the key moments of the game, yeah, you're just not able to get that extra bucket. I don't know the way that this will play out, but I think they get a first win against Butler that was one of the more intriguing stats I've seen in the last couple months across college basketball, though.
3: Yeah, eleven points. I didn't even know that. That's I, I've never seen any number that low for any team.
0: Yeah, that's. But you know what, Tubby Smith has his guys working hard, playing well, and uh, and they're going to grind it out one way or the other. Now the five twelve and the four three, Kevin Iowa State against Iona, and Purdue against Arkansas Little Rock. Arkansas Little Rock twelve or sorry I should say twenty nine and four, Kevin. Against the Purdue team that's twenty six and eight. You will be in the building for that game in Denver, Colorado, as well as for the Iowa State um the Iowa State Cyclones at twenty one and eleven. Against Iona twenty two and ten. And and listen, a lot of people like the Gales out of Iona. Where do you fall in these two matchups?
3: I I think the Iona uh... I think a little too many people uh, picked that upset last night, just watching some of the, some of the ESPN. Um, I, I think Niang is just way too good uh, to lose again in the first round. I think Iowa State wins that, and A.J. Hammonds is going to be – everybody's going to know his name after this tournament's over. Um, he's going he's to play really well, and I expect them to beat Little Rock.
0: And I have that same matchup. I think Purdue – this is one of the games that took me the longest, Kevin. I think Purdue is able to beat Iowa State, and A.J. Hammonds is the reason why. He stole the Thunder there a little bit, but I think he will be the difference. Jameel McKay, you know, some of the guys they have inside for Iowa State, can compete, but I believe that there's too much skill, class, and talent out of A.J. Hammonds for Iowa State to deal with. I think he will be a difference maker in that round of 32 matchup.
3: Yep, I also have Purdue. Uh beating Iowa State to go face UVA.
0: Should we go to that game? Because you mentioned A.J. Hammonds is a guy that everyone's going to know after this tournament. Are they going to know him because of three games played, or are they going to know him because of a uh, an Elite Eight-slash-Final Four run, Kevin?
3: I think it's going to be a good game, and uh, I don't think it's the matchup UVA wants. Um, but UVA is going to win this game. I mean, I think this team's a little – I had them winning at all last year, which didn't work out too well. But uh, I think this team's a little different. Like you said, they usually don't have a go-to guy, but uh, Brogdon is that guy this year. Um, and I think he's going to be the big difference against Purdue. Uh, but I think Hammond's going to have a very big game.
0: So you have Virginia going to the Elite Eight. We'll now get to the the bottom part of that bracket. Seton Hall against Gonzaga. 25-6 and Seton Hall i found to be one of the atrocities of the committee and the selection process as a whole. Seton Hall at 25 and eight, three victories against the top 10 team. Three of their losses were to top 10 teams and they have a win against Wichita state in the NCAA or I should say in the, the regular season. And that's a team that's an NCAA tournament team. They, I guess we'll look down two teams from there, Utah, is a team that's 26-8. and They lost three times to a top-ten team, that's Oregon, but they don't have the same type of top-ten wins that Seton Hall has, and they got hammered by that same Wichita State team that Seton Hall played. I know it's just one team in one matchup, and Utah had a very solid non-conference, but the Duke win didn't become uh, as good as it was before. I guess I'm here to say is I don't see the difference between the six-seeds resume, Seton Hall, and the three-seeds resume, Utah.
3: Yeah, I think it's a really bad draw, not only Seton Hall being a sixth seed, but going up against Gonzaga, a very talented team, uh, underachieved this year. Um, I expect Gonzaga to move on, uh, play Utah, and uh, Kyle Wolters is going to be very good uh, against Utah. He's going to be the big difference. I have Gonzaga moving on to the Sweet 16.
0: Wow, it's a team that went to the Elite Eight last year. They came out of this very region, the bottom right. They were the two seed, right where Michigan State is now, and ended up losing to Duke on the way to the Final Four for the Blue Devils. You got them all the way to the Sweet 16. Did they go further than that, or is it Michigan State you have at that point?
3: Whoa. you not even give Dayton or Syracuse a chance? Come on, Bob.
0: Okay. Do they beat the Irish? Or I should say the Orangemen, I should say. My my, my apologies there. Although, our boys in Notre Dame, uh, I don't think either of us gave them a win.
3: No, no. Neither of us had uh, Notre Dame moving on. I have Dayton i move it on, but then, yeah, I have Michigan State facing up against Gonzaga. Um, Very good game, but I think Michigan State's uh, a little too much for Gonzaga also. So, Elite 8 rematch, just like they want it, UVA versus Michigan State.
0: Okay. Well, the only thing I'll say there is I think Seton Hall does get a win against Gonzaga,
3: and then I think
0: a great matchup of Isaiah Whitehead and Brandon Taylor will take shape. Utah against Seton Hall. I think the Angel Delgado show at some point will will take flight, and he's going to be able to own the block inside. I think Seton Hall gets two wins, coming off two wins against top ten teams. Uh, it's in, it's very interesting though, because I go back a few years ago, some of the same players will still were still on this Seton Hall team that sh- probably should have gone to the NCAA tournament did not. Were a top seed in the NIT. And came out and laid a complete dud and and I remember that because it was a game that, you know, they probably should have won by twenty points. They ended up losing ended up losing by about that same margin. Uh this I do believe is a different team though, and I do believe that the guys were there that were there have learned from that experience. I think they're gonna get two wins, run into a really tough Michigan State team. And I agree. Virginia against Michigan State, and Kev, I'll take this one. I think Virginia finds a way this year to beat Michigan State. It's a Spartan team that every single analyst likes to pick to go deep. And I can't take anything away from Tom Izzo and what he's done. I think he had a fortunate run to the final four last year based upon matchups and a game against Virginia that, you know, played a different day. It could have and probably should have, uh, would, would have gone another way. But this time I think it's Virginia that gets it done. Tony Bennett to the final four.
3: I agree. Um, I think UVA gets that revenge against Michigan State. Uh, Should be a good game. Um, And probably shouldn't be keeping Virginia so far after what they did to me last year, but have them go in the Final Four again.
0: (laughs) North Carolina against Virginia, and this will conclude our discussion, Kev. Uh, North Carolina against Virginia, or I don't believe you, I'm sorry, West Virginia, in your case, against Virginia. How do you feel that... uh, that that game will go?
3: Uh, Not a lot of points. That's my prediction (laughs) for that game. Uh, 45-44? Yeah, two very good defenses going at it. Uh, I mean, I'm going to have UVA moving on again, though. I I think the big difference is Brogdon. And West Virginia doesn't have a player like Brogdon, and down the stretch he's going to be making the key baskets.
0: Now, and I won't let you go before – giving yourself the opportunity to pick a national champion. Uh, we got through the right side of the bracket, and we'll hit the left side on the other uh, with, with some of our other co- correspondents that are coming on. But does your champion come in the form of Virginia, or is it someone from the other side of the bracket?
3: I still haven't decided that yet. Um, I'll I'll probably my, – my guess is after I'm done, it'll be Oklahoma versus UVA in the national championship. And uh, I'll probably take Oklahoma.
0: Well, then we we might as well just uh, split the entrance cost of a of a March Madness pool because that's exactly not to get ahead of myself, but that's exactly what I'm thinking at this point as well. Oklahoma over Virginia to win the national championship. It would be a very very interesting matchup, Kevin. A put I, I guess a matchup of two completely different styles. And a team in Oklahoma that likes to get up and down the floor, launch threes. You know, Buddy Healed Cousins; those guys can really shoot. And then Spangler, everywhere, every way you can imagine, he can beat you. Occasionally from three, clearly on the defensive end, great rebounder, and even has a bit of a back to the basket type game. That you know, if he wants to make a difference at the next level, I think still needs to be developed a little bit. But they're a team that has a lot going for them. And I think if you look at the last, whatever it was, six games of their season, ten games of their season, you may not be wowed at the win-loss record. But take a look at the teams they played, the way their schedule was backloaded, and the fact that they still stayed in a ton of games. I think you're going to find that Oklahoma, as you have as well, Kevin, is a team that's ready to make a deep run if not win the national championship.
3: And the big problem with Oklahoma, too, is you mentioned all those threes they take, and they they hit a lot of them, but, I mean, teams, teams live and die by the three sometimes, and if they get cold, they could get knocked out early.
0: No doubt about that. Yeah, and there's a chance you have to take there. But I've always said, and you've probably heard me say this too many times, but a team that plays great defense certainly has a chance to win the national championship, a team that plays good defense can win the national championship. A team that cannot score and cannot do so efficiently, I do not believe that they can win the national championship. They can't string together six games in a row. And so there's a team like Oklahoma that, that may scare you a little bit if you're looking at your bracket right now. But the upside is tremendous, and I think you they're your national champion here in 2016. Kev, any, any final thoughts on the bracket itself? Were there other games in Denver that I missed out on that we should – hit before you go that you'll be in the building for?
3: The four games in a row that we talked about, Purdue, um, Iowa State, and then I get to see the Gonzaga-Seton Hall game and Utah versus Fresno.
0: Okay. Oh, I'll tell you what. You have yourself a treat. Um, Whether or not Gonzaga beats Seton Hall in that game, I think either of those teams against Utah will be a lot of fun. Clearly from a geographic perspective, if Utah were to play the Zags.
3: Yeah. Yeah, that would be a fun game. I sadly won't be in the in the building for that one, just the first round, though.
0: Just the first round games. Well, Kevin, enjoy your time at the NCAA tournament. Thanks for joining us here on the BLS radio show. and I look forward to the content that you and Bill Golden continue to produce for us here on Bob Lump Sports. You guys do a wonderful job.
3: Thanks for having me, Bob.
0: All right, there you go. That's Kevin McLernan calling in from Colorado. Good thoughts from him on the NCAA tournament and the first couple rounds. This is the BLS Radio Show. We've gotten through the first half of the bracket. Number to call in, 215-622-7239. Again, 215-622-7239. That's your number to get involved here with the BLS Radio Show. We'll be back in just a few minutes. We'll start with the South Region. Kansas, the number one overall seed in the NCAA tournament. We'll have to go through Louisville, Kentucky in the regional to get to the final four. We'll be back. This is Bob Long Sports. Bob Long from Bob Long Sports here, and I want to tell you about the good folks over at City Year Philadelphia. Every day, the dedicated young adults at City Year make an impact in high-need schools in Philadelphia and in 26 other cities across the country by serving students who need extra help to stay on track to graduate. If you are ages 17 to 24 and are interested in serving as a tutor, role model, or mentor, check out the inspiring stories at hashtag makebetterhappen. City Year is currently accepting applicants for the next school year. This is Bob Long here, and you certainly know me from BLS, doing LaSalle College High School broadcasts, our weekly radio shows, and everything in between. However, during the 9-to-5, I am a commercial banker in the greater Philadelphia area. If your business is looking for financing or any other type of assistance, you can reach me at 215-328-2578. That's 215-328-2578. I've had experience in the energy industry, healthcare, public finance, as well as in manufacturing and leasing. Bob Long, a commercial banker in the greater Philadelphia market, Helping your businesses grow. Hey, Bob Long Sports fans, how can you stay involved with the site anytime? A reminder to follow us on Twitter at Bob Long Sports. You can also access our Facebook group, just search Bob Long Sports and it'll come right up. And then, if you have a smartphone, you can listen to any of our live programming by visiting the Ustream app, that's U S T R E A M, searching Bob Long Sports, all one word, and you can access any live programming on the Bob Long Sports Network. So be sure to stay connected to Bob Long Sports. Bob
3: Long Sports. Bob Long Sports, your daily dose of sports. Sports.
0: Boblongsports.com gives you not only the best radio broadcasts on the Internet, but plenty of articles as well. Stay up to date on your Penn State football team. Stay up to date on college football, the MLB, the NFL, and every other major sport out there. Tune in to all the radio shows and be sure to check our website regularly to see what content we have up now. And when you hear that jingle, Bob Long Sports, Bob Long Sports, your daily dose of sports. Sports. You know you're in the right place. L-Mark Signs and Graphics, your choice for custom signs and design, has been servicing the Philadelphia area for over 30 years. From illuminated signs to vehicle wraps, L-Mark Signs is your choice for all your custom signs needs. L-Mark delivers high-quality signs with a courteous, helpful, and experienced staff. Visit them at lmarksigns.com or give them a call at 610-692-0525. Again, that's lmarksigns.com, 610-692-0525. Go check out their website for some great examples of signs that Lmark has created and be sure to tell them that Bob Long Sports sent you. lmarksigns.com, your choice for custom signs and design. Bob Long from Bob Long Sports here, and I want to urge all our listeners to visit our friends at Dunphy Ford in the Northeast. Dunphy Ford has all the latest Ford models, trucks, SUVs, and sedans. They also have a wide selection of used cars, trucks, and SUVs as well. Owned by a LaSalle graduate and a proud sponsor of Explorers Basketball, Dunphy Ford should be your first stop to buy or lease a new car. Visit them at 7700 Frankfurt Avenue in the Northeast, or at DunfeeFord.com. Welcome back to the BLS Radio Show right here on Bob Long Sports. It's the NCAA Tournament Preview Show here in 2016. We appreciate the time from Kevin McClernand in the first half of the hour here. and We'll move on to the left-hand side of the bracket. and To discuss that and so much more, we have Chris Yastrzemski. You certainly will remember his voice from the Bob Long Sports LaSalle College High School basketball broadcasts. you can check out his writing at Wizwit Sports. Chris, welcome to the show. How you doing?
4: I'm doing well, Bob. Thanks for having me.
0: Hey, I appreciate it. And listen, before we get to the left-hand side of the bracket, two things to ask you about. One, the Syracuse Orange at 19 and 13 on the year, a first-round exit in the NCAA, or I should say, in the ACC tournament. Here they find themselves in the NCAA tournament. They spent about nine games without Jim Boeheim on the sideline. Joe Castiglione said no, that was not part of the decision making. That didn't even come into the committee's decisions because they earned it to begin with. Uh, do you believe that the Syracuse Orange were deserving and are a deserving NCAA tournament team in 2016?
4: Well, if you're uh, listeners here, heard my uh, subtle laughter there, uh, <laughs> that should tell you the uh, correct answer. They 100%, my opinion, as a Syracuse student, they didn't they don't even deserve to be number one, at ten seed, number two, even in the, the uh, tournament whatsoever. Yeah, uh, that nine games, true. I mean, they lost to Georgetown, they lost to two other teams, and they lost to Clemson. I forget who they who they lost to, but they also won four games, and they were against uh, not that good uh, teams. Uh, Tulsa, I also have a beef with. They shouldn't be in. Syracuse should be in. I would have rather seen Monmouth, I would have rather seen St. Bonaventure, maybe even a Valpo, but as a 10 seed, that's pretty generous to think. I mean, I get maybe like the nine games where like Bayheim, I heard over today, uh, Bayheim probably saying like, hey, don't punish the players, punish myself. Luckily, that might have been a reason why Syracuse is in it, but I just don't know how they got in it.
0: It's really interesting. I mean, a team with with 19 wins, and listen, you sound like a Monmouth guy, and that's fine. I am a very—not anti-Monmouth. I think they're great. I think the bench is a lot of fun, and I think they have a solid basketball team. I am the anti-Monmouth needs to be in the NCAA tournament movement. And the reason, in part, I'm against it is because some of the factors that those people reference— are ridiculous and they list off these wins that they've had and listen the Notre Dame win was a good win they have a couple decent wins but then they tack on the end of those Chris Georgetown and UCLA and so when I hear an argument like that my counter is only if you count the wins against Georgetown UCLA or any other major power five conference team that's under 500 if you count those wins for every other bubble team then you can start to count them for Monmouth. But not just because they're a small team from a small conference and they happen to schedule out a conference against crappy Power 5 teams. This example is actually the first time I've heard a decent argument for Monmouth because Syracuse actually lost to that Georgetown team that Monmouth beat. But beyond that, you can understand my beef with the the Monmouth movement because of those factors.
4: I, I do understand that. Um, back to the Syracuse point, I'm not, I'm, I am i am Somewhat for a, a, pro Monmouth, but I'm for an anti juice because there's <laughs> overall not out, I th- outside of Monmouth. There's I mean let's take a couple with Bonnie and Valpo. There's a lot of better teams that they could have chosen, and Tulsa as well. i was still at Tulsa. I'm just mind come off uh, blown by that. But back to the Monmouth point um, you said about those UCLA and USC and Georgetown wins. Uh, those are just three of thirteen pretty. Pretty good road wins that the Monmouth Hawks had. And I know Jay Bellis on ESPN talked about this the past couple of days. The uh, tournament committee has been saying for these smaller teams to hey, schedule out of conference and schedule on the road and we'll consider you. Monmouth did that. They I mean, granted, Georgetown maybe, UCLA maybe, but Notre Dame in the, in the tournament. Yep.
0: It's a great win. Won. Great win.
4: USC in the tournament, they won. And then, granted, they had a couple of iffy concerning losses, especially with Army and Canisius, Three of them. But
0: yeah, I mean those two, and there's one more in the in the not, I guess, below 200 RPI.
4: But I would have put them over at least over Tulsa in that fir- in that first four. They should have been in there, and it's just pretty disappointing to see that the uh, tournament committee would rather choose. You know, a big-name school like Syracuse to get them, like me, I don't know if it's even money involved because, oh, it's Syracuse. It's a big-name school. Oh, Tulsa, it's a, it's a Power 5 sc- Or not really Power 5, but it's in the AAC, which is pretty good for basketball. But Monmouth should have been rewarded. I mean, even if it's just a first-four seed, they should have been rewarded.
0: Yeah, one team that I thought, Chris, isn't really talked about nearly enough is San Diego State. It's a team that won 26 games, had a top 10 non-conference strength of schedule. Granted, the Mountain West is not what it was, and nor do I think it's going back to that type of strength anytime soon. But got to the conference championship game, I mentioned the 26 wins, and I mentioned the top 10 non-conference strength of schedule. You talk about a team that could have replaced Tulsa. You know, There, there certainly is one. I think there's a lot of legitimate gripes with the tournament selection committee. I'm glad that I'm talking about it with you here because I saw that you have done some, some bracketology yourself. It, it has been something that I've been able to do you know, going back five years now. Unfortunately, this year, just time did not allow with, with some of the other endeavors going on, uh, part of which was what you were part of with the LaSalle College High School basketball broadcast. But it's something that's very close to my heart, the whole bracketology process, and uh, I'm strongly of the, of the opinion that there is a right answer and a wrong answer. Uh, and I think the committee got a lot of wrong answers.
4: Uh, I mean, team wise, they did. I'm looking at the NIT bracket, which should will probably one of the best NITs that I've been looking at in a while with St. Bonaventure, Valpo, Monmouth, this one seat along with South Carolina, sure. who shouldn't it be in. And then St. Mary's said two seeded. We want to talk about teams that haven't been talked about, including San Diego State. Who is a two seed in the uh, NIT? Saint Mary's might have been uh, a possible possibility yes, in the tournament sure. as a maybe a first four, uh, losing to Gonzaga in the West Coast Conference championship game. Yeah, uh, but although they beat Gonzaga twice in the regular season, they didn't really have a good out of uh, out of conference schedule. They lost to Cal. It was a tough loss, but eh, maybe. Don't know. But other than that, maybe you like to see. Like, I remember Calipari yesterday talking about how Kentucky is a four and Texas A&M is a three. And if you watched the SEC championship game yesterday, Kentucky beat Texas A&M, and this doesn't make any mm-hmm. sense. And the East region is stacked. Uh, there's a lot of other things. Michigan State is a two. I mean, that's fine with me. I think Oregon should be deserving of a one. Virginia, I'm a little bit anti was fly with it in the beginning. Now I'm questioning it because they didn't really win not only the the regular season ACC, but they'd also didn't win the tournament itself. And you have Michigan State as a number two,
0: two less losses. in Virginia's bracket, yep.
4: who's beaten Virginia the past two years. And it's giving me some concerns about, all right, is there something that's going on? Is it more than just getting the best 68 teams in the, in the the uh, March Madness, or is it more like a money thing?
0: Well, and that's it would be
4: a disappointing thing.
0: It is very; di- it would be disappointing. I don't know that it's necessarily a a money thing for sure, or whether they're just they're just dropping the ball. I mean, for people that supposedly watch as much college basketball as they do, they should be coming to better decisions. And here's one more decision that I'd like to go over you w- with you, because you are a a Philly guy. You understand the Philly basketball scene, but Correct me if I'm wrong, I don't really see you as a Villanova guy, and so you're objective to talk about this issue. Um, the Villanova Wildcats lost in the championship game to Seton Hall in the Big East Tournament. They were dropped to effectively the lowest two seed to go to the South to play what would end up being Kansas if that went chalk to the Elite Eight, and that would be in Louisville, Kentucky. I'll move you over to the east now where that regional is in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, right in the backyard of the Villanova Wildcats. They put the Xavier Musketeers there. So effectively putting the Musketeers over the Wildcats in terms of uh, in terms of seating and they have unfortunately, I guess for them, the pleasure of playing North Carolina in Philadelphia if that goes chalk. However, here's the other thing about Xavier. It's not that Philadelphia Is an advantage for them. Louisville, Kentucky, with Cincinnati being right on the Ohio Kentucky state line, that's about an hour and a half Cincinnati from Louisville. And so Xavier clearly would have wanted to have been in Louisville from a geographic perspective for its fans. The NCAA Tournament Committee, unless there's another argument that I haven't thought of in the last 24 hours, is protecting the one seeds. North Carolina and Kansas, by not sending the Xavier and Villanova fan bases or not giving them the opportunity to play in front of those home fan bases in Louisville and Philadelphia, respectively. That goes against the directives of the NCAA Tournament Committee. They are supposed to consider geography for any seed in the one, two, or three line in any given region, and they are not. Which it looks like they haven't. And they are not to protect one seed's as it appears they have. What are your thoughts on those set of decisions, the two lines in the South and the East region? Well,
4: I was cheering for Nova in the last few minutes when they lost to Seton Hall, and first of all, Josh Hart got fouled. Let's just get that out of the way. Josh Hart did get fouled. Sure. No off call, call Seton Hall. I mean, calls Villanova the loss, and they shouldn't really be in that last two spot as Xavier is a two-spot above them, it just makes no sense for me ge- ge- geographically and just how overall with te- how the teams are. I'm just a little – that's one of the dumbfounded things I have with Nova and then Xavier. I think, granted, the East is really stacked, and if you put Nova in that in that two-seat in the East, you would have North Carolina, you would have you know Villanova, you would have had Kentucky, you would have Indiana – Notre Dame and West Virginia, that is pretty stacked. Yes, no doubt. Although it it still is stacked with Xavier, but it would be a little bit more stacked if you put Nova in it. So that might have been a a, a concern from the start, but it's just tall. I don't know. It would be really interesting to see what goes in maybe next year's, like, what happens inside that little hotel room. And how these teams get picked, and why they get picked, and where the locations are. Yeah, but it, I really don't get the location. It makes and seating of those two.
0: It's either it either makes absolutely no sense, or it's a travesty to the fan bases of Xavier and Villanova. It is not their fault that the regionals happen to be in their area. If North Carolina was a two seed. And there was a regional in Charlotte, and Villanova was the one seed. You would not hear one complaint from me or anyone else, I don't think, that North Carolina got placed there. I would say that makes sense. Hey, how about that? They got a nice advantage because this year the regional happens to be near them. But this time, Mm -hmm. you got Tar Heel Nation getting protected in many ways, and they may take umbrage with that because, hey, they're like, we're going to beat whoever's in front of us. Great. If that's Villanova and Philadelphia, then that would be a wonderful matchup. Let's duke it out. Uh, but the NCAA Tournament Committee, I really think, took things into their own hands and and really screwed it up.
4: Well, then, let me get, let me bounce a question to you about location. I'm just getting this out there, the number one siege with North Carolina and Virginia. Now, what if you're a Virginia guy and you're going to the Sweet 16 Elite Eight, you're going to have to go to Chicago, whereas UNC, you go to Philadelphia, that's not that bad, but... What if maybe Virginia, which is pretty close to Philadelphia, maybe about four hours or four or five hours away? You might be a little bit saying like calling like foul and maybe you know why aren't we in Philadelphia? We're closer to right there than UNC is? Now the reason that would way, be
0: from- the reason that would be though is is simply because North Carolina is a higher one seed. So they get preferential treatment and it's decided, hey, you know we don't want to go to Chicago um we want to we would want to go to philadelphia in that case we have alums in dc new york you name it that can get to philadelphia but to that point where i think you might have been going is kansas goes to louisville which may be by miles and i don't even think that's the case but it may even be by miles a bit closer than chicago but kansas I would say has much more representation from an alumni perspective in Chicago. It's easier to get to for alums, and it's not in Big Blue Nation. Um, it's, not in where the, it's not in the heart of Kentucky, where people are going to be cheering against Kansas. So I think Kansas would have wanted to have gone to Chicago, at which North, in which case North Carolina would be the next two seed. Would they rather go to Louisville or Philadelphia? At that point, you may say Louisville, and then Virginia would be able to get to Philadelphia as you talked about. So you know, there's another just kind of miffing and, and very confusing set of decisions made by the NCAA tournament committee. And this time it's on the number one overall seed. It's it's kind of embarrassing.
4: It's just a a weird, confusing bracket. I think this year. Yeah. Just overall.
0: So anyway, we can move past that, Chris. But I, I got into it. I had some deep seated feelings I need to get out, and uh, and you were the person to help deliver that. So I appreciate it. Oh, thank <laughs> you. So let's start in the south for you. Um, we'll we'll keep you on till about nine, and we appreciate the time. And and sorry that the first you know fifteen has been spent on this, but let's talk about the Villanova Wildcats. They are right now twenty nine and five. And they play UNC Asheville. I don't believe that that'll be an issue. but they will play the winner of Iowa, which was previously the number four team in the country at one point this year, and Temple, 21 and 11, and a team that Villanova beat earlier in the year, but clearly a major rivalry in Philadelphia, uh, one of the best rivalries you know, in all of college basketball, clearly, and uh, very similar to what we saw a couple years ago, the opportunity for Villanova to play St. Joe's in the second round up in Buffalo, New York, but it was the Connecticut Huskies that uh, that were able to beat St. Joe's and deny them that Big Five matchup. Do you think that matchup happens this year?
4: Iowa's struggling. They're a good team. They're a good team out of the Big Ten. Big Ten's are probably one of the top two or three conferences this year. Uh, but Iowa lost to Illinois in the Big Ten tournament, which is a little bit of a a, a concern if you're a Hawkeye fan. Temple, you know, they went by, uh, I forget who it was exactly in the AAC tournament. South Florida, I, I believe it Temple? I believe it was South Florida, which was, yep. sorry, it was a breeze. And they played UConn, who was, maybe many of us were thinking, all right, they're going to be that tired after that four-overtime thriller against Cincinnati. That was complete opposite. They were energized, and they eventually beat Temple by double digits. They went to the AAC, and their season's alive. Uh, but Temple's got Quentin D'Acozzi, Devin Coleman. They're going to play for Trey Lowe first, go out to him after the car accident. And they have a pretty good team, Jalen Bond. Those three guys, I think you see that 10-7 upset with Temple moving on. We're going to see that big five upset. Now, if Trey Lowe was in, if he was healthy and he could play, I think it would definitely be a, a, a stronger case for Temple to beat Iowa.
0: Okay, so so I'm sorry. Who are you picking there? Did you say? I'm you, picking
4: Temple. I'm you, picking Temple. And then did you happen to Temple say a you?
0: big five upset as well?
4: No. 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 Uh, it'll be a different game. I think Temple comes out a little bit stronger. It'll be a closer game at the half. And then Villanova starts to pull away in the second half. And they'll get over that. Second, or if you want to call it a third round, because it's technically the third round, hump and move to the sweet sixteen. Then I have a little moving on sweet sixteen down. Okay,
0: well, so there you go. So let, let's move up just a little bit. I in the first half hour of the show, uh, I lamented the six seed ranking and the six seed placement for Seton Hall. I thought they deserved more for their season so far. That everything they've been able to do. I mean, twenty five and eight is a wonderful record. I think the same thing applies for the sixth seed in this region, and that's Arizona. They're at 25-8 in a somewhat difficult conference, but lost some very tough games early by you know a possession each uh, in the non-conference, and now they find themselves as a sixth seed. I think the team that loses the most from a missed seeding like that is the Miami Hurricanes. I don't even think Villanova does because... You know, whether it's Arizona or Miami, they're essentially getting a three seed either way, which is the team you'd get in that sweet sixteen matchup to get to the Elite Eight. But Miami Hurricanes, I I wonder if they're not licking their wounds a little bit right now saying, gosh, we get an Arizona team at twenty five and six in the second round as a three seed, that's that could be a very difficult matchup.
4: I think that'll be a really good uh third round matchup. I think if you want to go back to that six seed Arizona they should have been maybe if you look at the West where Texas is. And by the way, let me just let me just bring this out there. I think right now my prediction bracket, I have Texas moving on to at least a sweet sixteen, beating A and M. They could make a run because of Shaka Smart, um, but other than that, I think if you swap Arizona and Texas for those six seeds, I think it would have been a much better outcome for the uh, Wildcats because they have to face Miami. Arizona is a good team. I think the Pac Pac twelve is very underrated. Very underrated with Oregon. It was a really good conference with Oregon, Utah, Arizona, USC, Oregon State, Cal. Yep,
0: Cal's Cal, very solid. Exactly.
4: Very very solid. Colorado as well. It, a ton of teams, and it's just they're not really talked about because it's probably the, uh, the like, Star times and the other conferences taking command with the ACC and Big Ten. Um, But, yeah, that Arizona-Miami possible matchup is going to be a real, real good one.
0: So let's – and we're running low on time here, so we'll we'll leave you with this, I guess. Any last thoughts on the bracket? Um, Who you have making a deep run and who you have winning it all?
4: Um, As I said with my deep run, the surprise deep run is Texas. They're going to go do it – from right now, the Sweet 16, and I would not be shocked if they could go to the Elite 8 and upset Oklahoma in a possible Red River rivalry in the Sweet 16. Okay, I think Shaka, Smart, Shaka Smart's going to have a good crew. He's getting his center, Cameron Ridley, back. So slowly he'll come back and maybe he can make an impact for the uh, round of 32 and the round of Sweet uh, Sweet 16. But watch out for Texas. That's my one team that might want to make a surprising deep deep run. Uh, my final four is right now is Kansas against Oklahoma, and then UNC against Virginia, who gets over that Michigan State hump, and then I have Kansas beating the UNC Tar Heels in the national championship.
0: All right, there you go. So just about chalk, except for the Oregon Ducks, uh, who can't quite make it to the final four. Chris, we we appreciate the time. It's great to have you on, as always, and we'll talk to you real soon. Enjoy the madness.
4: Oh, I will, Bob. Thank you for having me on.
0: Sure thing. All right, there you go. That's Chris Jastrzemski. We'll talk to him soon. Great to hear from him. And uh, and on next will be Bill Golden, the other half of the Pick and Roll podcast. I don't know. Is he the pick or – is he the dribbler? The picker and the roller is the same thing. So I guess we'll find that out on the other side. And you are listening to the BLS radio show. We'll be right back. L Mark Signs and Graphics, your choice for custom signs and design, has been servicing the Philadelphia area for over 30 years. From illuminated signs to vehicle wraps, L Mark Signs is your choice for all your custom signs needs. Elmark delivers high-quality signs with a courteous, helpful, and experienced staff. Visit them at ElmarkSigns.com or give them a call at 610-692-0525. Again, that's ElmarkSigns.com, 610-692-0525. Go check out their website for some great examples of signs that Elmark has created and be sure to tell them that Bob Long Sports sent you. ElmarkSigns.com, your choice for custom signs and design. Bob Long from Bob Long Sports here, and I want to tell you about the good folks over at City Year Philadelphia. Every day, the dedicated young adults at City Year make an impact in high-need schools in Philadelphia and in 26 other cities across the country by serving students who need extra help to stay on track to graduate. If you are ages 17 to 24 and are interested in serving as a tutor, role model, or mentor, check out the inspiring stories at hashtag MakeBetterHappen. City Year is currently accepting applicants for the next school year. This is Bob Long here, and you certainly know me from BLS, doing LaSalle College High School broadcasts, our weekly radio shows, and everything in between. However, during the 9-to-5, I am a commercial banker in the greater Philadelphia area. If your business is looking for financing or any other type of assistance, you can reach me at 215-328-2578, that's 215 328-2578. I've had experience in the energy industry, healthcare, public finance, as well as in manufacturing and leasing. Bob Long, a commercial banker in the greater Philadelphia market, helping your businesses grow. Hey, Bob Long Sports fans, how can you stay involved with the site anytime? A reminder to follow us on Twitter, at Bob Long Sports. You can also access our Facebook group. Just search Bob Long Sports, and it'll come right up. And then, if you have a smartphone, you can listen to any of our live programming by visiting the Ustream app, that's U-S-T-R-E-A-M, searching Bob Long Sports, all one word, and you can access any live programming on the Bob Long Sports Network. So be sure to stay connected to Bob Long Sports. Welcome back to the BLS Radio Show right here on Bob Long Sports. It's NCAA tournament time here in 2015-2016, and we're excited for all the matchups upcoming. First things first. Tomorrow night, play-in games, and then Wednesday, the other half as well, all of which will take place in Dayton, Ohio, and then it's time for the Madness, the first round. And I do mean first round because for the first time, uh, what, in about five or so years, we have the first round being referred to as such. And in I guess in past years, it's been the second round and third rounds. But thankfully, mercifully, the play in rounds is being returned to its usual, normal, and what should be the nomenclature. But right now, we'll bring on Bill Golden. Bill Golden is uh, the other half of the Pick and Roll podcast. We had Kevin on, Kevin McClernan, that is, to start the show. And happy to bring on Bill. Bill, good evening. How are you tonight?
4: I'm doing pretty good, Bob. Just wanted to answer your question about which side I am. I I'd like to think that I'm both the ticker and the roller to be honest with you.
0: <laughs> All right, beautiful. You, you'll dive to the hole, you know, get Kevin's going to force the double and then little little bounce pass through the legs to to give you the two-handed flush. I love it. That's right. Yeah, we'll we'll have to get like a cartoon or something to to play that graphic out for our listeners before the show is, but <laughs> we'll, we'll get we'll get into the bracket itself. We'll start on the left-hand side in the south, and you are a grad student at Miami in Coral Gables, and so you have had very much the pulse of that team this year. What are your thoughts on what Miami's brought to the table? Jim Laranaga, just an unbelievable coach, one of the rare guys that at his age did it for so long at a smaller school, then goes up to really an ACC non-traditional power and has made them into a consistent competitor, a consistent contender for deep runs uh, every single year.
4: Yeah, I mean, it seems like a a trend in college basketball recently where a lot of, I mean, I guess forever, where a lot of guys come from smaller schools. He came from George Mason where they they made that unbelievable run not that long ago. And just coming from undergrad at South Carolina, I, I kind of wondered about guys who made that transition. I don't know if you remember, but we had a guy who came from Western Kentucky who didn't work out too well. But, you know, Larry Negate, like you said, he's been completely impressive with, uh, with a team that is, you know, really not a powerhouse, but they've been really good as of late. Obviously this year is one of their better years, but they were two-seed just a couple years ago when they had Shane Larkin, and right. they were in the NIT championship last year. So they've, they've had a lot of success under him.
0: It's been very, very impressive. And what do you see in the 2015-2016 team? First of all, in the matchup against University of Buffalo, um, cl- unfortunately, there's for them there's no Hurley on the sidelines anymore. But still, a team that was able to win the conference, and you know, I think this Buffalo team will have some trouble against a very, very good Miami team. But uh, but I don't know if you see anything differently in that first matchup. And then as you start to look forward, the winner of Vandy and Wichita State against Arizona in that first round. Which of those teams do you think Miami could face in the second round?
4: Yeah, I mean, I, you have to look past Buffalo just because you're a three seed. Obviously, as, you know, from the team's perspective, they obviously they need to they need to stay focused and make sure they get over that. Uh, because you know, we've seen four teams beat threes before. I mean, we've seen fifteens beat twos as well. So, um, as good as Miami's been this year, you know, they still need to come out and and, and play a pretty good game uh, to get past any team that's in the tournament, really. Um, but you know, that's, that would be a real failure. So, you know, just moving past that, I the, the Vanderbilt Wichita state is a, is a big matchup. I think I have to go with Wichita state in that game. Uh, they just have a lot of experience guys that have been in the tournament a couple of times now. And then the Wichita state, Arizona game is tough for me. Um, Arizona as a six seed, I actually thought they could be even higher than that. They had a really good season. I think you mentioned that before the break and, and that's tough for me, like I said, because Wichita State has those guys that have been there. But I think Arizona has the talent to get them past that game, and that leaves us with a really tough, a really tough uh, second round matchup with Arizona. Uh, I have to stick with my boys in this game, but I couldn't really fault anyone for picking Arizona over them.
0: Well, and if they were to get past that point, then they find their, they find themselves uh, awaiting the winner of what I find to be three very intriguing teams, and we'll see how it filters out. Villanova, a team that, you know, with a foul call or, or or just a few bounces of the ball the other way on Saturday night, they're a one seed and they're on the way to play in Philadelphia. Uh, come Sweet Sixteen and Elite Eight, now they find themselves a two seed going to Louisville, Kentucky. That's if they're able to get by an Iowa team at a seven seed that was at one point the number four team in the country and it wasn't that long ago, and then a Temple team that is bitter rivals with those same Villanova Wildcats and play every single year in Big Five play. That bottom four in that bracket, I find to be incredibly interesting and intriguing. I don't know how you see it coming out.
4: Yeah, I mean, it's tough for me to, to make that call right now. I mean, just looking at it initially, I agree with you. I mean, it's a tough draw for Villanova, especially as you said. They were very close to getting a one-seed. And they end up with a two seed, and now they they get the winner of Iowa Temple. And like you said, I think Iowa comes out in that matchup. But if Temple comes out, there's a lot of history, like you said, in that matchup with Villanova. But I, I do I do see Iowa coming out there. And the thing with Iowa right now is is they're playing they've been playing poorly as of late. But if they can find their stride again, they could be a really dangerous team in this tournament. And I know they're only a seven seed because they've they've had a little bit of a a bump in the road, but if they if they can get clicking with a winner or two in the beginning, they could go a long way in the tournament. Yeah, but I, I,
0: I'll tell you what, Bill, I'm usually of the opinion and if a team is really struggling and I find it's for a legitimate reason they just don't have it anymore, then sure, I, I understand not picking a team like that, but I'll take you back to, I believe it was 2013, that sounds like the year, it sounds right to me, where you know, I was faced with the decision, what do I do with the Michigan Wolverines? They were a four-seed they'd been playing bad basketball but i looked on that roster and i said that's talent that is very very good uh, good team i've seen them play well together and i think that team can play with anyone in the country ended up picking them to go to the national championship game and losing to to Louisville that ended up being correct but the point i make about that is that it's a team that i don't think anyone would have confused with playing their best basketball down the stretch and yet you know you have to make an independent decision on how good they are, and whether you think they can pull that out for the tournament. I don't know what the answer is for Iowa, but it's a scary question for anyone that's a Villanova fan because they have that quality, as you said, the ability to play with just about anybody in the country. I mean, two victories over Michigan State, that's a team that most people thought should have been a one seed, and it's not exactly the point in the season where Michigan State was scuffling either.
4: Right, yeah, and and the point you make about the tournament is a good one because we've seen a lot of teams, you know, run through the tournament uh that weren't really that good throughout the regular season, like uh UConn team uh, a few years back that, that got hot at the end of the year and ran through the whole tournament. So right. it's one of those things when you're trying to pick it, do we go with the hot team or the team that's been good, that hasn't been playing well as of late? It, you know, I, I credit you for making that pick because, like you said, I mean, at the time they just weren't playing that well. But when you have the talent Michigan did, and I think Iowa does this year, it's it's hard to pick against them because you know that if they turn it on they can they can play with anybody. But assuming that Villanova does get out, I mean they are the higher seed, yeah. um, and, and Miami does as well. That's a tough Sweet 16 matchup for for Miami. Uh, they they rely heavily on some guard play, and the guards are good. I mean Angel Rodriguez can really create. Devon Reed and Sheldon McClellan are really good three-point shooters. And when Sheldon's on, he can score You know, not as well as Buddy Heald or some of the other best scorers in the, in the country, but he can put up 20 or 25 points on any given night. So they're going to rely heavily on that. But usually guard play is something, you know, if you have good guards, that's going to help you a lot in the tournament. But Villanova, I mean, that's the forte, and it always has been. So that's a tough matchup for Miami in the Sweet 16.
0: Yeah, very much so. I think that's one of the more intriguing matchups – That the tournament could offer. Uh, Personally, I have Arizona making that trip. But again, that for me is a coin flip between teams that could easily both be three seeds the Wildcats of Arizona and Miami. But um, I do think the matchup and the free flowing nature of the Hurricanes against the Villanova Wildcats would make for a great intrigue. Who'd you end up sending through that game?
4: i had to I had to stick with Miami again. I just i feel like um you know I have a little bit of bias, obviously, but I really do believe that when they have it going offensively they can they can beat almost anybody in the country uh it was tough for me to get them past Arizona. I'm with you. I mean, I think if I was a little less biased, I might have Arizona winning that game. uh they do scare me a lot i, I really don't understand how they got a six at twenty five and eight but they did, and it's going to be tough for them to get through that game and the next matchup, of course, but I did put Miami yeah. in the lead eight.
0: Hey, you know, there's there's nothing to apologize for there. There's nothing to say you're biased. You know, hey, there is no wrong answer until, you know, the end of this weekend where there will be right and wrong answers, but it doesn't always mean you made a bad pick. Uh, you know, there can be sound reasoning on one side of the ball, and all of a sudden ball hits the rim one way, not quite square, and uh, and it can determine a basketball game. That's just the way it is. You know That's why the best in the world don't always do so well. The people that know the game the best don't do so well in the brackets. So uh, yeah, you, you toss the ball in the air, anything that hap- can really happen. But the best you can do is, is put some sound reasoning and analysis behind the picks. And I guess with that said, perfect segue to uh, kind of the most unsound and uh, illogical teams I've seen all year, and that's the Maryland Terrapins. They are a five-seed. They're playing South Dakota State, the Jackrabbits, and it's a team that has been ranked in the top 10, you know, high in the top 10 up to the top team in the country in the preseason. You know, all the talent that they have, I mean, Rashid Suleiman as the transfer, clearly to have a guy like Jake Lehman on the outside, I mean, Trimble gets things going, but there's been a lack of consistency there, Bill, and, you know, diamond stone the best recruit out of the state of wisconsin maybe the best big man recruit in the country as a true freshman you know what in your mind has been the issue with maryland that they find themselves on the five line with the talent of a one seed
4: yeah that's an interesting question i just they haven't been able to get it going and i I really don't know the answer to that and it is really strange obviously beginning of the year they were supposed to be one of the best teams they kind of went up and down and they lost some games they, they really shouldn't have, and they looked good at times, but for the most part, just kind of a confusing team. Like you said, I mean, the talent they have could could make a run, but the problem is they're in Kansas's bracket, and so uh, this team, if they make it to the Sweet 16, I, I don't think they can make it any further than that. I mean, they have a lot of talent, but Kansas is just, they have the talent, and they're, they're running on all cylinders right now.
0: Number to call in, 215-622-7239. Two one five Haven't given that out in a little while. Just so the listeners know, even though you hear Bill and me going at it here on the phone, you can join us on the air, so just call that number. It's also on the right-hand side of your window browser. If you're uh, watching and listening to us on your computer, that's your number to get involved. Now, Kansas at the top of that bracket, Bill, the number one overall seed. You have Miami getting to the Elite Eight. Question one, is there anybody stopping... Kansas on the road to that Elite Eight game? And if not, how does that go between the Jayhawks and the Hurricanes?
4: Yeah, I mean, of all the one seeds, obviously they're the number one overall, so that's easy to say. But they're just, they've are just they been so impressive to me all season, and I feel like they're really still playing really good basketball right now. I don't even see a tough matchup for them until the Elite Eight, and thats I don't even know if that's going to be Miami, if it's Iowa or Arizona or maybe even Villanova. I just don't see anybody in that bracket putting up too much of a resistance. Obviously, it's the tournament and things can get crazy, but I just I'm most confident in that team in the South region and it's by a, it's by a decent margin. I just think they're that much better. Is there anybody that you think that you have confidence in to try to beat them or?
0: Let me tell you. I I think this Kansas team, they've been playing great basketball. No doubt about it. And the second half of the season has been good. I go back to the middle of the season where people were saying this was an average, by Kansas standards, an average Kansas team. And it was going to be the Jayhawks team that relinquished the consecutive Big 12 title streak. And that there were other teams that were just playing better than them. I mean, you know, granted, they played wonderful games against Oklahoma, and they have played great down the stretch. I I certainly grant that. I'm just not sure that this team is, is as far and away the best as everyone thinks they are. And I may certainly be proven wrong. I mean, I've had people saying that there's not a team that's going to keep them within 10 points. Seen those arguments, hear them, don't buy into them. Not yet. So I don't think it's Kansas going to the Final Four in Houston. I think it could be Villanova. I think it could be Miami. I really think that Arizona may even have you know, the second best chance in some regard to get to Houston. So I guess suffice to say I'm not nearly as high on Kansas as everyone else is. Yeah, I remember a month or so back where many people were feeling the same way I am. So I guess I can leave it. The best way I can leave it is we shall see, but I don't think they're the Goliath everyone thinks they are.
4: Yeah, I mean, uh, as much as I said Miami's going to win that game, I mean, I I do that with a lot of hesitation because – you know, we we talked about Arizona already and I I'm with you. I think if I had to say who had the second best chance, it's them. Uh they just they, they have a lot of talent. I, I don't think they're a sixth seed. It's just I know that they're right. that's how they're listed, but I wouldn't have them anywhere near there and they, they have that kind of talent. But I think the bottom half of that bracket is so tough to get out of. And that whoever comes out of it, they're gonna be they're gonna be ready to go and, and definitely will have a decent shot at Kansas. I think that Kansas is the better team, but I wouldn't go so far as to say that no one could come within 10 points of them.
0: Yeah. So I ended up picking Villanova to go to the Final Four out of that region. I think it would be them against Kansas in the Elite Eight, but I find that to be a very intriguing matchup as well. We can move down to the West now, still on the left side of the bracket. and Just general thoughts on Oregon as the number one seed. They really kind of popped up into the framework in the last couple of weeks and it's been their run in the final two weeks as well as the Pac-12 championship tournament where they went all the way through and hammered Utah by 21 points in the final game that led them to their number one seeding.
4: Well this is the, the other argument like we talked about before you have the teams that you know we're, we're stuttering that have a lot of talent and then you have a team like Oregon that I don't think a lot of people saw them being a one seed at the beginning of the year. I don't even know if people had them as a two or three and they're just so hot right now. It's going to be hard to bet against them. Um, but you know, if you're trying to go against the odds of other people, you can definitely take it, uh, take Oregon in this bracket because they're going to be one of the one seats that a lot of people don't like. And I think there's a lack of familiarity with this team uh, that you know, a lack of, uh, you know, national like uh, recognition and stuff like that. And, they're, again, they're not a powerhouse or anything like that, so they definitely won't be favored as a one seed, but i am it's going to be tough for me to bet against them because you're they're, they're playing really good basketball right now.
0: St. Joseph's and Cincinnati. The 8-9 matchup. You're a Philly guy. You, you haven't spent much time here in the last five or so years, but um, you are a Philly guy and you understand the spotlight and the general uh, aura of basketball in Philadelphia. St. Joe's playing some great basketball. DeAndre Rembry, Isaiah Miles, two of the better scores in the eight ten 10 and two of the better scores you'll find up and down the East Coast. What type of matchup do you think Cincinnati provides them? Uh, who do you have winning that game? And then it doesn't sound like it, but any chance against Oregon?
4: Well, I think St. Joe's will definitely win the first matchup. I mean, they're a 27-win basketball team. Uh, that's a lot of wins in one college basketball season. I know people can go back and forth about the the strength of schedule with different teams and how many wins they get. I think that's why South Carolina didn't get it, even though they had 23 Division One wins this year. Uh, but a team that wins 27 games is is going to be a really good team. Cincinnati had a great season, but I, I'm going to definitely go with St. Joe's there. And look, Oregon's hot, like I said, but you know St. Joe's is a really good team. I'm definitely going to pick Oregon there, but. I don't think that's a, a totally a blowout 1-8 matchup at all.
0: Now, I'll I'll loft the little thoughts here that I have, and it's about the Baylor Bears. They're a team that's 2-4 and four in their last six games, but I really like them, Bill. And, and I'll tell you, I think they're a team that, out of the best conference, top to bottom, in college basketball, they more than held their own. But I think they're a team that can be built to win in the NCAA tournament, and I'm going to take a look at the matchups. I mean, Yale to begin with, That may be a bit scary, especially if someone like me is picking Baylor to make make a deep run, and the reason is they're going to sit in that 2-3 zone. That's what they're comfortable doing, and Yale's going to shoot it over the top, and they're either going to make them or they're going to miss them, and if they're making them, the Bears could be in a world of trouble, but if they're able to win that game, I think they're physical enough to get Duke in foul trouble, a very light on-the-bench Duke team, not very deep whatsoever, and then Oregon and Baylor would play in a game where it's a rematch of a game earlier in the season, Oregon won 74-67, to but that was on the road for Baylor at Oregon. I think that's a really interesting matchup, and Baylor's physicality, again, could be an issue for the Ducks. I have Baylor going to play Oklahoma, believe it or not, in the Elite Eight of the West region I'm going to have Oklahoma going to the final four, but yeah. What are your thoughts on the Baylor bears? What you have or haven't seen of them this year. And if that prognostication makes any sense to you,
4: it does. I think they definitely have the second best chance at making the elite eight from the top half of that bracket. I never trust Duke in the tournament. Uh, I know they've won a couple of times, but just what I've seen in recent years, and I know the teams are all different. I just, I don't know if it's, it's probably not coach K. I, I don't know what it is, but I definitely won't be trusting them. Um, it, but like you said, with Yale, the problem is, and I think a formula, if you're trying to, you know, be a team that makes you a big upset, a good formula sometimes is just taking a lot of threes because like you said, if, if they start going in, you never know what could happen, but I don't, I don't see that being an upset. And I, I think Baylor will definitely be playing Oregon. Uh, and listen, I'm definitely going to have Oregon in that matchup, but I could definitely see Baylor. I think it's going to be a close game. Um, as good as, you know, as hot as Oregon is right now, I think they're one of the weaker one seeds. And the thing about Baylor is they played in the Big 12. So they might be 22 and 11, but they played a really tough schedule. The Big 12 was really good this year. I have a lot of respect for all those teams, and it's going to be tough for me to, to not advance any one of the Big 12 teams, to be honest with you.
0: Yeah. No, I completely understand. And this is a side of the bracket, a region that's loaded with Big 12 teams. Baylor, Texas, mm-hmm. Oklahoma. Uh, it's it's very very interesting last year this big 12 team very much underperformed uh i don't necessarily see that happening this year in fact i was i was on the forefront I, I didn't like the big 12 at all last year uh but i do think it's a different mindset this year i think there's a bunch of different type teams and i'll tell you what this texas team i think is going to have a great run to the sweet 16 because I actually have former Big 12 team Texas A&M, I have them losing to Green Bay, the 14 seed Green Bay Phoenix, 23 and 12, averaging 84 points a game. Carrington Love is the guy you're going to look out for, averaging about 18 points a game. And I think this Green Bay team is going to be a balanced but solid, you know, pretty good Texas A&M team that uh, has an inflated record because of the conference they played in and watching them, they just don't really impress me um, ecstatically, I guess.
4: No, I was just going to say a lot of the same things. Uh, I, I don't I don't know if I could go so far as, as picking the upset with Green Bay and Texas a but I haven't looked uh, totally closely at that matchup yet. I definitely don't trust uh, a lot of the SEC teams this year. That, that you said, you, the record's very inflated, uh, and I agree with you on Texas. It's going to be tough for me to pick... Oklahoma over Texas. To be perfectly honest with you, uh, right now I'm definitely leaning towards Oklahoma, but uh, it's, it's, I'm not too confident in that. I mean, I know Oklahoma is a better team, and they have one of the best players in the nation on their team. But that's a really strong Texas team. Uh, I think Texas will, will will beat Texas A&M or Green Bay, whoever comes out of there. Northern Iowa, of course, in the first round. And I think it's going to be a great Big Twelve matchup between Oklahoma and Texas. I and mean, I think anything could happen in the game.
0: What's great about that, Bill, is if they can make that run, that would be, you know, not this Thursday or Friday, but next Thursday or Friday by the time they play Oklahoma. And Cameron Ridley, a guy that's missed pretty much the whole conference schedule, but in the beginning portions of the season, back when they had the big win against North Carolina, he was a big part of it. I think, because he's going to play about, say, 15 to 20 minutes, only played about five in the last game they played in the Big 12 Conference Tournament, if he can get ready for that Oklahoma game, I mean, it's a Texas team that you just you just never know. You got a wide body in there that if he's ready to come back and has the footwork ready to go, can still be an elite big man and a difference maker in this tournament. If you can get through the first two rounds with him staying healthy through those two games, of course, but you give him another week to rest, all of a sudden big bad Cam Ridley comes in there uh, to compliment the guys that are already on that team and the big men inside, that's a dangerous team.
4: No doubt about it. That's uh and I, I think that I think even without him they'll they'll gonna get through the first two rounds and like I said, you know, I don't wanna throw Texas A and M under the bus. Obviously I, I went to an SEC school, but I watched a decent amount of SEC basketball, you know, this year because of that. And, you know, the teams really they're not that good. I'm surprised three got in to be honest. Yeah, um, and sure. I'm not really sure how Texas A&M got the three seed and Kentucky, didn't even though they lost the championship game. That's a real head scratcher as right. well.
0: I I, I uh, can but, completely agree. Completely agree with you.
4: Yeah, so I, I mean, honestly, out of the West uh, overall, um, no matter who I end up going with it in the in the top half, I think I'm definitely gonna. I have to look at it probably again more closely, but I, right now I'm definitely leaning towards Oklahoma coming out of out of the West bracket.
0: Okay, now let's. Uh... Again, you said you're still leaning. You're not quite 100% decisions made yet, but uh, let's get a final four if you have it, or at the very least, who you might lean toward on a national championship-type basis.
4: Yeah, the Kansas-Oklahoma matchup that I have tentatively right now uh, is a tough one. Obviously, I think Kansas is the better team, I know you feel a little bit differently. And and Oklahoma, the problem is they have one of the best players, and you always got to watch out for the factor of a star player just taking over and, and taking his team all the way through the tournament. And, I mean, we've seen Buddy do this all year. I mean, he's, he's just an incredible scorer, and it's really hard to bet against him. I think I'm going to lean Kansas right now. I just think they're a more complete team. Um, coming out of the East, I'm really torn. I think West Virginia is really good. Uh, I like Kentucky, even though I kind of was hating on the SEC earlier. I just think they have so much talent. Uh, I just believe that at some point they might be able to get it together. And John Calipari has done really well in the tournament before. They were eight seed a couple years ago. I think they made like the Elite Eight or the Final Four. Yeah, um, now they made they made go. the
0: championship game. They lost to UConn.
4: Right, right, yeah, and UNC again is just another really solid team. I think. I'm going to go back and forth a little bit in the next couple of days, but right now I'm definitely leaning towards UNC. Um, But that, that Kentucky UNC matchup for me, I think that's going to be a really good fight. Um, But, and then in the Midwest, there's some really good teams there obviously as well. Uh, But I think Michigan state is is going to come out of this bracket. I don't know if you agree with that, but there are some good teams. Don't get me wrong. I'm just, I'm pretty confident about that. Although that Virginia team is tough. Um, Miami lost to them uh once in the regular season and then in the tournament so in the ACC tournaments so they're they're definitely a tough team.
0: Yeah, no, I, I think it comes down to Virginia Michigan State. I, I went with the Wahoos there. I think they're able to finally for the third time here, third time is the charm, able to get the win over Michigan State, but no discrediting what an unbelievable team Tom Mizzo has and, and that could easily be the best game of the whole tournament. I mean there there are a couple games that I have starred on any bracket that I'm looking at, I, I tell you what, if that matchup happens, type of thing, that could be a wonderful battle. That's one of those games, and, and I really think that Virginia or Michigan State would be deserving representatives out of the Midwest.
4: Yeah, I mean, obviously, there's a lot of combinations that could happen in the other Elite Eight games, but it's—I think we're going be, to be very difficult for us to find a better Elite Eight matchup than Virginia, and Michigan State. I agree with you wholeheartedly, Virginia. You know when they have when their offense gets going, they're really tough to beat. But they're tough to beat because they just play good defense and their offense. You know they move the ball around and you have to play tough defense against them. But Michigan State does that and you get to watch one of the best players in the country that can do it all, Denzel Valentine. So, you know and Malcolm Brogdon. I mean we can't not talk about him for talking about this matchup. That's just that's just two great teams going at it and Izzo and. And uh, I don't know. I just I think I think it's just Tom Izzo that I'm leaning with. It's not really even Denzel Valentine or the rest of the players. I mean they're all great, but obviously when you get down to a battle between one and twos, that's I think that's what I'm leaning with is just the coach in there.
0: There you have it. Yeah. Hey, it's gonna be a great tournament. Can't wait. Glad you could join us. And I guess before you go, I should have led with this, but how do you feel about the Gamecocks not making the tournament? Deserved? Snubbed? Back to the drawing board for next year? I mean, what what are some of the emotions that you're feeling?
4: Well, you know, they really disappointed me in the SEC tournament by losing to Georgia. That was really, I think, the final piece. I was watching the game with my dad, and he was pretty convinced they were going to get in. And I said, look, if they lose this game, they might not get in. I mean, if they win it, you know, they, they probably will. But, you know, I thought that was a really big deal losing to them because they, they didn't beat them any times all season. Um, honestly, I didn't feel they got stubbed until I saw that Vanderbilt got in a lot of teams yeah. were talking about Tulsa yep. and some other teams, but I really thought that out of us and Vanderbilt, we were the better team. But to be honest, the way the SEC looked this year, I didn't think they deserved to get more teams in anyway. So they, they should have only had two teams in and I don't think South Carolina or Vanderbilt should have been in to be perfectly honest. Bill Golden,
0: the other half of the pick and roll podcast. We had Kevin on to start at the top of the 8 o'clock hour, Bill on the top of the 9 o'clock hour. Thanks so much for your time. We appreciate it, and we will talk to you soon, Bill.
4: Thanks for having me, Bob.
0: There No problem at all. There he is, Bill Golden. Tune into the Pick and Roll podcast on Bob Long Sports. Podcasts up uh, all the time, and and you can check out those too, and everything that they do. Very interesting to hear him say the South Carolina not deserving to make the tournament and comparing it to Vanderbilt, it's really a great point because it's a lot more difficult to really right size, say Tulsa, to South Carolina than Vanderbilt. I mean, in the same conference, playing the same schedule, you can compare non-conference schedules as well as the record in the regular season in conference, knowing it's by and large the same thing. You know, it's a lot easier to right size, and you look at those two. It really seems as if South Carolina had a better resume than Vanderbilt, and I completely agree with that sentiment. We'll take one last break, come back on the other side. We'll talk some more NCAA tournament matchups. We'll get a report on the Notre Dame fighting Irish. I don't think either of us, Kevin or me, that, that picked that earlier in the in the show here tonight, I don't think either of us picked Notre Dame to win. So we'll get uh, the thoughts of former BLS co-host and current correspondent Sean Hannon, what he has to say about Notre Dame, and uh, and much more here on the other side. You're listening to the BLS Radio Show right here on Bob Long Sports. Mark Signs and Graphics, your choice for custom signs and design, has been servicing the Philadelphia area for over 30 years. From illuminated signs to vehicle wraps, Mark Signs is your choice for all your custom signs needs. Mark delivers high-quality signs with a courteous, helpful, and experienced staff. Visit them at lmarksigns.com or give them a call at 610-692-0525. Again, that's lmarksigns.com, 610-692-0525. Go check out their website for some great examples of signs that Lmark has created and be sure to tell them that Bob Long Sports sent you. lmarksigns.com, your choice for custom signs and design. Bob Long from Bob Long Sports here, and I want to tell you about the good folks over at City Year Philadelphia. Every day, the dedicated young adults at City Year make an impact in high-need schools in Philadelphia and in 26 other cities across the country by serving students who need extra help to stay on track to graduate. If you are ages 17 to 24 and are interested in serving as a tutor, role model, or mentor, check out the inspiring stories at hashtag MakeBetterHappen. City Year is currently accepting applicants for the next school year. This is Bob Long here, and you certainly know me from BLS, doing LaSalle College High School broadcasts, our weekly radio shows, and everything in between. However, during the 9-to-5, I am a commercial banker in the greater Philadelphia area. If your business is looking for financing or any other type of assistance, you can reach me at 215-328-2578, that's 215 three two eight two five seven eight. I've had experience in the energy industry, healthcare, public finance, as well as in manufacturing and leasing. Bob Long, a commercial banker in the greater Philadelphia market, helping your businesses grow. Hey, Bob Long Sports fans, how can you stay involved with the site anytime? A reminder to follow us on Twitter, at Bob Long Sports. You can also access our Facebook group. Just search Bob Long Sports, and it'll come right up. And then, if you have a smartphone, you can listen to any of our live programming by visiting the Ustream app, that's U-S-T-R-E-A-M, searching Bob Long Sports, all one word, and you can access any live programming on the Bob Long Sports Network. So be sure to stay connected to Bob Long Sports.
3: Bob Long Sports, Bob Long Sports, your daily dose of sports.
0: Sports. BobLongSports.com gives you not only the best radio broadcasts on the Internet, but plenty of articles as well. Stay up to date on your Penn State football team. Stay up to date on college football, the MLB, the NFL, and every other major sport out there. Tune in to all the radio shows and be sure to check our website regularly to see what content we have up now. And when you hear that jingle... Bob Long Sports, Bob Long Sports, your daily dose of sports. Sports. You know you're in the right place. Bob Long from Bob Long Sports here, and I want to urge all our listeners to visit our friends at Dunphy Ford in the Northeast. Dunphy Ford has all the latest Ford models, trucks, SUVs, and sedans. They also have a wide selection of used cars, trucks, and SUVs as well. Owned by a LaSalle graduate, and a proud sponsor of Explorers Basketball, Dunphy Ford should be your first stop to buy or lease a new car. Visit them at 7700 Frankfurt Avenue in the Northeast or at DunphyFord.com. Welcome back to the BLS Radio Show right here on Bob Long Sports. Give us a follow on Twitter, at Bob Long Sports. We have lots of great content, programming. We do play-by-play broadcasts of different high schools and colleges throughout the area. In fact, uh, we have some professional sporting events coming up on our site as well here in the spring. The Philadelphia Soul will have uh, three to four home football games Live from the Wells Fargo Center right here on Bob Long Sports. So You can tune in here and stay up to date via Twitter for all of those programming updates. Later this week, Wednesday through Sunday, we will be live from Lakeland, Florida for the Russ Matt Invitational College Baseball. The spring season as the Lehigh Mountain Hawks will go down there and play six games, all of which will be on the BLS network. So tune in. And follow us on Twitter, as we said, for all those programming updates. We'll head back to basketball here as we now have Sean Hannan on with us. Sean is a guy who, uh, well, he's a good friend of the show. He's been on the show many, many times as a co-host. He's been a color commentator for some of that high school basketball, high school commentary that we were talking about. And uh, we're really happy to have him on here tonight. Sean, how you doing?
1: Great, Bob. How are you?
0: We're we, we doing very well. And, uh... I want to get your thoughts first and foremost on the Fighting Irish of Notre Dame. We mentioned earlier in the show they were about, to, you know, they were they were a heave away from, from beating Kentucky last year, and yet they've returned with a few less guys, um, you know, certainly without a guy like Connaughton that did so many good things last year. But they've really, I wouldn't, I don't know if you'd say they'd picked up where they left off, but they've maintained a lot of great pieces, that same system, and have operated in a very workmanlike fashion this year to earn themselves a sixth seed.
1: Yeah, no, that I, I think that saying they uh, they performed admirably this year would be would be appropriate. It's it's tough. You Notre Dame is not a traditional basketball powerhouse. Uh, getting a guy Jerry Grant drafted in the first round and then Pat Connaughton in the second round. So for schools uh, like Kentucky, that's you know just another year. But for Notre Dame to get two guys drafted is a very big deal. So you have those two guys leading the charge. Um, really, were were the the lifeblood of the team last year. This year, uh, you have a great player in Demetrius Jackson, uh, who played a very important role last year as well, but a secondary role. Um, now he's kind of the, the team leader. Uh, Steve Astoria, who you're familiar with, Bob from coming out of the Philadelphia Catholic League, has really played very well, uh, taking the ball to the to the hoop a lot more aggressively than he did as a sophomore, but these guys have, have performed admirably. I, I was, uh, as a big Notre Dame fan, admittedly very nervous with early season losses to Alabama um, and to... Uh, to Monmouth. Oh, gosh. Monmouth. Thank you very much. And uh, they, they even they carried a, a substantial lead to, into the late second half against Indiana, actually lost in that Crossroads Classic down in Indianapolis. Indiana has since proven that they're a better team than what they were which was previous which was unranked when the Irish played them but that looked like a, uh, a tough loss for the Irish too but a couple couple stumbles um, along the way a couple nice wins beating North Carolina uh, beating Duke twice uh, once in Cameron indoor beating Louisville uh, but then also looking like the far inferior team to, to Miami twice this year uh, UVA earlier in the year and then as most people will remember, North Carolina just a couple of days ago, getting shellacked by 30. So the, uh, the Irish have their work cut out for them. If they're going to r- repeat their performance and make it the elite eight, uh, as they did last year, I think that,
3: um, Notre Dame
1: is going to have a tough matchup against a, a pretty active and hot Michigan team, um, predicting Michigan to, to win the play in game on Wednesday over Tulsa. Um, but I, so I think that, that for me, the expectations are very much, uh, uh, you know, diminished from last year. I, I think that if we make make it to that round of 32 with one win, and, and we play a West Virginia team, and um, I would, I at that point would expect us to fall uh, to West Virginia. I think teams that play a very high tempo uh, style style defense, which then turns into transition offense, uh, gives the Fighting Irish fits. Notre Dame had 17 turnovers against North Carolina, shooting a putrid thirty uh, percent on on that Friday game and uh, granted that's just one game but the amount of turnovers against Miami in those two games which shots are pretty active uh, Miami defense as well so it's uh, it the matchups is, is you and I both know are very important I don't love the matchups for the Fighting Irish uh, in the first round against Michigan nor the the uh, potential second round against West Virginia
0: now Sean are there any I guess are there any big-time upsets that you see or a team outside that top you know, three or four seed in any particular region that makes an exceptionally deep run?
1: Yeah, you know, you and I talked about a little bit with Seton Hall being such a good team, somehow getting the the six the sixth seed. Uh, very interesting. I think they're a team uh, that has the potential to um, play as well as they did in the Big East tournament and beat some very, very good basketball teams. Um, I think that in the state, stay in the big East, you have a, a score, um, in at Providence, is it dental? Bob?
0: Yes. Which is, ben Bento. Yeah, ben, Indeed.
1: It, when you have a guy of, of his ability, I think that that always, uh, is, is a, is at least a, you know, the time for you to circle the game and, and say, Hey, this is, this has upset potential, um, the other the other team that is kind of interesting and we haven't yet talked about is Wichita State. The I was you know flipping through the channels and watched their senior day. The respect that the fans have for those senior that senior class, which includes Ron Baker uh, and a handful of other players who were a part of the Sweet Sixteen team last year, which had upset Kansas in the round of thirty two, um, is back. Now, granted, they are not as good as they have been in, in years past, and will remember them as being a number one seed um, a couple of years ago with Clay Anthony early. Uh, so they're not, not at that caliber, but that's another team with the tournament experience that that being an eleven seed, it does not at all phase, uh, you know, make me think that they're going to be phased uh, to play a six seed and then to go play a, a potential three seed um, and, and, and make it into the sweet 16. So if I had to, you know, shock the crowd with anything, it would be uh, picking the shockers to go to the, the 3-16 is an eleven
0: seed. Um, so, Very good. Yeah, there. Yeah, they have it now. Now it's funny because Arizona is also a team that I think, you know, as a sixth seed, oh, yeah. probably deserved to be better uh, than that, and oh, yeah. uh, to get a team if it's Wichita State, which I believe it will be, Vanderbilt, I don't believe deserved to be in the tournament, but uh, that that's a Agreed. tough matchup. And you mentioned you mentioned Ron Baker and you know Freddie Van Vliet and some of those other seniors on yes. this team right now. That is also the band of freshmen. You mentioned the Sweet Sixteen last year. You mentioned the one seed the year prior. It's also the freshmen that went to the Final Four, and so yes. there is there is a wealth of experience there, and certain people put put different value on that. And uh, any way you slice it, this Wichita State team does have a lot of experience and a lot of very solid players. You know whether it's the same team as last year with some of the guys that lost. I'm not particularly sure. They ran through their regular season in the conference schedule, uh but they lost just about everything in the non-conference to anybody of value. Does that mean that yep. their conference isn't that good? Does that mean that they completely turned around a new leaf after a struggling non-con schedule? And you know, I think I think only this set of games upcoming will tell us. And that's the beautiful thing about the tournament.
1: Yeah, that that uh South region is really Filled with a lot of teams that I think were, um, you know, fallen stars, if you will. When you have Iowa in there as a seven seed, you have Arizona in there as a six. It's uh, and Maryland I'm very high, yeah, high on the uh, the Hurricanes, Miami at three. Oh yeah, absolutely. Maryland at a five. I mean, you have teams in there that were ranked in the single digits for for decent chunks of the year, uh, and and then you know are, are are all in that region, and you maybe can contrast that with the West where you have Oregon out there, and you know, besides maybe Baylor, you think that they have a pretty, uh, pretty open path to uh, to advance deep in the tournament.
0: Yeah, no, that that's all great sets of points, and we kind of move on to your um, to your Final Four, uh, unless there's anything you missed or wanted to talk about on the way there. But who you're thinking can make these deep runs and represent the respective regions?
1: Sure, sure. So the, the the only other shout-out I will give is to the Holy Cross Crusaders, <laughs> who who uh, there's a there's a good friend from uh, Pittsburgh. He actually walked onto the team this year, Patrick Riley. Uh, he's the younger brother of our co-worker, Nick Riley. Um, and, uh, and Patrick, uh, and the, the Holy Cross Crusaders, now Patrick just being a walk on doesn't get a ton of playing time, but uh, he actually scored a, a basket against Kansas earlier in the year. But this is a Holy Cross team that had two road wins the entire year. No road wins in the Patriot League conference. Every You play every Patriot League team once, home and away. So did not beat a single Patriot League team in the conference in, on the road. And then only won two road games the entire year. So that's included the non-conference schedule, anything else. Uh, they then go on the road and manage to win four games in a row to much superior teams uh, Bucknell, Army, Lehigh, and I'm blanking on the team that they beat in the first round. Um, it was truly remarkable for them to win. Now I'm not saying that they are going to do anything as a 16 seed, uh, but I do think it's pretty pretty amazing as far as a uh, you know a Cinderella to get into the tournament. A 13 and 19 or 14 and 19 Holy Cross team is pretty pretty uh, you know noteworthy in, in that regard. Um, so you know, mentioning uh, you know mentioning that it's sure. been uh, it's been pretty pretty interesting. And then one other thing, I, I you know after doing some research, wanted to to throw out there is the fact that Tulsa gets in the tournament after losing by twenty two to Memphis, who had an absolutely putrid year this year. Uh, yep. So for, for for Tulsa to somehow sneak their way in, and I know we can go back and forth about the merits of. Of a lot of other teams, San Diego State, uh, St. Bonaventure, Monmouth, that sort of thing. But it's just just seeing them in the tournament, head scratching, completely head scratching. So,
0: completely um, agree with with both sentiments. Back to the Holy Cross thing, I think there's a lot of people out there, everyone except for uh, Blue Devil Nation, that may have wanted to see a Lehigh team in there try to try to recreate the magic from a couple years back.
1: Oh yeah. Oh, yeah, they're in, in the Patriot League. Now, granted, this year they did not have the caliber of, of, of C.J. McCullum or um, Bucknell had a very good forward. His yep. first name's Mike. I'm making on his last Mike name. Mike
0: Mustafa, yes.
1: And, and so the major League did not have anybody on any team that really, uh, you know, kind of woke, woke, awoke the echoes of, of those uh, those stars of, of, of yesteryear, but um, – you know, today probably would have been a fifteen. Would have been, would have been in the in the back back area. But yeah, Holy Cross making it definitely lock themselves up for a playing game. But it gives them a chance to say they won a game in the NCAA tournament. So that's exactly right. A, a unique thing. Um, but yeah, to get to, to get to your question about the the final four, and um, I I look at the, I looked at the bracket and haven't been able to do a full diagnosis of of everything yet. North Carolina is being an ACC. Follower for most of the year, I think is the best team this year. So they're the team that I that I predict to uh, to win it all. Um, you know, coming out of of the the West, I see Oklahoma uh, making it out. I think anytime you have a guy as, as talented as Buddy Hield, um, you know, it just reminds me of Kemba Walker of, of UConn or um, Sebastian Napier, where you have a guy that just can go off and put put up. 40 plus and, and completely dominated game. And it's not to take anything away from the rest of the Oklahoma Sooners either. Uh, so they're, they're a team that is incredibly impressive. Uh, I like Miami out of the South. Um, again, wow. a, a, a little bit of an ACC bias. And I think that the way that now, and this could be a, could be a very um, short sighted 2 two two-game sample size, but the way they shot against my fighting Irish was, very impressive um and i think a tough road playing potentially villanova potentially uh iowa or arizona um you know those those teams are all going to give them give them fits um, and uh moving moving down to the east i think that uh that this is a region that um, talking uh, Alistair, uh
0: oh the east oh okay still with the i, I thought oh, you were going Notre or, or uh UNC there. The, the, east
1: but. Is, the East is North Carolina. I apologize. The trying to go go chronological and I skipped the I skipped the West. <laughs> uh, I got the West with Oklahoma. Got the the South with with Miami, all the way down to the Midwest. Um, in this this is a, a bracket that I like you, Bob. Like UVA, I think that um, as painful as it as it is for me to watch their basketball games because <laughs> of the. Kind of the the way they take the ball out of the, the air out of the ball. Uh, this is a very well coached team, a very disciplined team, and uh, the way that they play, they're they're going to be in every game, and, and I guess to the same token, they will keep other teams in every game. Um, but they're they're a team that that I think will will do very well um, in the in the tournament and, and and make the make the the finals to have another. ACC title showdown against uh, UNC and then uh, I think North Carolina takes it to them as they did in uh, two previous meetings in the regular season.
0: All right so is that UNC your national champs?
1: That is that is.
0: Well there you go it's it's going to be a popular pick and they certainly have a lot going for them you you depicted a lot of the reasons very very well. Sean if you have any more thoughts before you go if not we can let you go and uh, enjoy the rest of your night but we appreciate the time
1: yeah the the uh two other teams i want to highlight give a shout out to to my friend trevor urich a, a purdue boilermaker there it is uh, Boiler up. i think that i think that they are a team um who has incredible they are a team that has incredible size i think they're a team that um can put it put it very well together at, at different times in this year i've I felt like they were the class of the Big Ten, and I know that uh, Michigan State obviously would like to say something about that, but I think Purdue has really um, performed well. I, I, however, don't think that they're going to get past uh, Georgia's Niang and Iowa State. That's a team that really impresses me too and to have, have a guy that uh, can, can score the ball as well as Niang. Um, so, you know, predicting a, a UVA, the UVA Iowa State matchup will be a very fun game um, for for me to watch in the in the Sweet 16, and um, you know it's it's easy to get wrapped up with some of these you know high seeds who have played so well all year to do well. And I think maybe that's what I'm getting wrapped up in at first glance, but uh, the amount of parity in, in this year, and I would imagine you would say a similar thing, is is pretty noteworthy. So I do think that. We will see a lot of upsets, um, and to to think that it's going to be something like last year where three number one seeds made the Final Four uh, would be a very big surprise to me.
0: Yeah, no, all good points. So, we hey, we appreciate it again. Great talking to you. We'll talk to you soon.
1: Absolutely, Bob. Take it easy, man.
0: You as well. That's Sean Hannan calling in, correspondent here on BLS, and great to hear. Certainly great to hear from him. We'll wrap things up here. Final seven minutes, and if you want to sneak a quick call in, two one five six two two seven two three nine. But great to get the four folks on tonight uh, that joined us over phone. It's great, and we appreciate it, as always. Let's talk about the big matchups. Let's talk about some big upsets again. Now, people may think it's nuts, but I'm telling you, Stony Brook, the Seawolves do not take them lightly. They're a team with three seniors that lead the scoring. A very solid team all year long. A Kentucky team, are they consistent enough? Are they going to come out ready to play? I give John Calipari the fact, uh, credit about the fact that he's done that in the past, has gotten his teams ready to go in the NCAA tournament. Just call it a feeling on this one. The Seawills of Stony Brook, I think, keep this one very close and have a chance to win. The other one I want to really dissect, in, in uh, I guess in more detail, is Texas A&M and Green Bay. Green Bay scores 84 points a game, Carrington Love, the best scorer on that team, and I say it all the time, upsets are garnered by the teams that can score points, the teams that can shoot the threes, run away, and hide on a team that's not out, ready to come out and play. Texas A&M is not going to wow you by their pure scoring ability. They space the floor. They're solid at just about every position, and they have depth. But there's nothing flashy about this team. you know. Jalen Jones, a solid player, no doubt about it. Nothing really besides that, that position jumps out of me about this Texas A&M team. And I think Green Bay is going to shock some people the way the Big 12 was shocked last year with a couple of their three seeds. And I think the Phoenix are able to beat... Texas a and So those are my two big upsets. Games that I think are going to be incredible. I think Seton Hall-Michigan State in the Sweet 16 can be a really, really good game that you're going to watch out for. That's uh, that's a game that I think is win the going to be won by the Michigan State Spartans. West Virginia-Xavier because of the differences in the style of play. The guard play of the Musketeers versus the defense of West Virginia trying to force turnovers. It really is a matchup of those different styles and which one of those wins out. On the other side, I think a Baylor-Oklahoma rematch, a game that Oklahoma has won twice, but to possibly get that rematch would be something special. If we can get Kansas against Oklahoma, which is a possibility, that would be a lot of fun as well. I personally have Villanova going to that game, but if Kansas could play Oklahoma again in the Final Four, I mean that would be a treat that you know, maybe all of college basketball might deserve. And my national champion is Oklahoma, picking them over Virginia. Give this one some long and hard thought. I think the Sooners are going to be able to take it just a little bit more scoring against a Virginia team that, that gets a lot of points per possession compared to the rest of college basketball which is really what should concern yourself you should concern yourself with over the span of 40 minutes it's not about how many points they score because it's not always the same number of possessions how many points do they get per possession and they have some great defense as well as the offense that can run the shot clock down and really do some good things offensively i think they come up just one time short here but love tony bennett love the wahoos and think they make a deep run coming up just a bit shy against the Sooners. Now we're going to sneak one more call in. We got Eric out of Pittsburgh. Eric, welcome to the show. How are you Bob. tonight?
2: Bobo, doing good. How you doing, man?
0: Doing very well. And I know you're calling physically out of Pittsburgh, but uh, your heart lies in the Queen City.
2: It, it does. I'm a I'm a big Bearcat fan. A uh, couple tough losses this year. Sitting where we are, like our draw. But I didn't call to talk about the Bearcats, Bob.
0: No. What would you call no, talk you know about? me, I've
2: talked I I've I've uh I've shown some love for a team you know throughout the years. Uh <laughs> they they squeaked in the tournament this year with a uh with with their uh conference tournament win, the uh Iona Gales.
3: Yes. You are uh
2: you're calling your big upsets. And you know, all all the analysts on ESPN who think they know stuff, they're picking the Gales. Well, I've been a Gale fan for years, you know that. <laughs> I do know that. <laughs> You like teams that can score in bunches? They can score. They have uh, four guys averaging over 12 points. A.J. English leads the bunch with over 22. They're going to play about 10 guys. They're coming after Iowa State. I know Iowa State can score in their own right, but uh, it's time to hop on the Gales bandwagon.
0: Now, what I'll say, Eric, I say this pretty much tongue-in-cheek because I know that none of the players are on the roster from this team, but I think back to an Iona Gales team that opened up play In the first four, it was the first at-large play-in game in first four history where they jumped out to about a 20-point lead against, I think it was USC, and they let the Trojans come all the way back and win that game. You know, Is this the same type of thing where they jump out in the beginning, team's not really ready to play them, and they have to hang on for dear life, and you think this time they hang on to it, or is it a different story
2: altogether? No, I I, I don't think that's the case at all. You know, Iowa State's not going to not going to think Iona is not going to come out here and be able to score points. AJ English is being looked at by uh, by some teams in the NBA, you know. He's he's that quality of a player. So they know this team can score. They're not going to come out and surprise anybody, but you know, when it comes down to it, it's going to be a scoring fest. Who can score more points? And you know what? I think uh AJ English is going to lead My Gales to a big upset in the first round.
0: I like it. You heard it here first here on uh, on BLS folks. The Iona Gales are your pick, uh, courtesy of of our boy Eric out of Pittsburgh. Hey, appreciate the thoughts and, and, on Iona there, and um, anything else you got on your mind, feel free.
2: Uh, no, I'm I'm gonna get off of here. Heard you were picking upsets at the end of the show. Wanted to say you did a great show tonight. I turned ESPN off. Like I said, those guys have no idea what they're talking about. Uh, the real experts here on BLS.
0: <laughs> I appreciate that, and uh, and best of luck with your bracket with the tournament but uh, most importantly, those Gales and Bearcats.
2: Sounds good. Thanks, Bob. All
0: right, there you have That's Eric calling in from Pittsburgh. Great to hear from him, as always. And that about wraps us up here on BLS. 10 o'clock, exactly. We appreciate you hanging with us for a couple hours talking college hoops. There's not much better things to do on a Monday night. Tomorrow we have basketball. So tune in, find your Turner Affiliate. Or, soon enough, the CBS uh, affiliates as well of the Turner Broadcasting Group. And just excited for a wonderful, wonderful tournament. Enjoy the madness, folks. Tune in to Bob Long Sports. And remember that on Wednesday, so before any of this March Madness starts, or at least during the day before any of the games, tune in to Lehigh Baseball on Bob Long Sports, live from Lakeland, Florida. First pitch, eleven fifteen, Lehigh against Bradley. And there's a doubleheader that day as well. They'll take on Dartmouth at three. Thanks, everyone, for being with us. We'll see you soon, and this is Bob Long Sports.